millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's Tour Catcher, Contivate captures the crown in St. Petersburg. Felix Auger-Aliassime finally wins a title. And John Isner plays a record-setting tiebreak against Riley Apelka. Kim, today is the 13th of February and we are here to catch up on the weekend tennis at Passing Shot HQ, especially backed by our crowd funders, Liz Curran and Emily Staracina. We have had another fun, action-packed week on the ATP and WTA tours. We've had a few match of the year contenders. We've had some records broken as well with tie breaks involving John Isner, surprise, surprise, and Riley Opelka, surprise, surprise. But the big news, obviously, Kim, is that we are, we're recording a day early. It's Valentine's Day tomorrow, and we, as much as we love the passing shot and our, our tour catch-ups, we just felt that we, we wanted to get it out of the way so we can, we can truly enjoy <laughs> Valentine's Day without doing the podcast. A Valentine's Day, which we'll probably both be doing very unromantic <laughs> things. <laughs> um, however, yeah, we are recording slightly earlier today. Um, well, than usual. And it does mean some of the finals are actually still going on as we're speaking. So I'm sure by the time we get to those tournaments, uh, the results may very well be in or we may be deep in a third set, perhaps. But let's start with the events that we do know the winners of, because I mean, this is kind of an early Valentine's Day gift, if you like. And that for me is Felix Auger-Aliassime finally winning a singles title on the ATP tour. Uh, wonders will never cease. You know, I was delighted when I heard this result and what a, what a manner to win it in as well. Two straight sets, six, four, six, two over the top seeds, Stefano Sitsipas. He's finally broken the duck, Joel. I know it's unbelievable. We can't, we can't, we can't make that joke anymore on the, on the podcast. We're gonna have to find a new, new joke. Um, yeah, no, it's been, it was uh, a real exceptional level of play from Ogier Aliassim in the final. Uh, you know, I think he straight out dominated Stefanos Sissipas from, from the first point, really. It was just so emphatic. And, you know, for me, I think we've seen already, I think this season, particularly, you know, that match he had against Medvedev when he had match point in the Australian Open. I think we've seen this season that actually he is now living up to the hype. I think last couple of seasons, I think people were just sort of wondering, when is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? But now he is just playing some really, really good tennis. I mean, the fact that he, you know, just destroyed Sissipas in the final, it makes me think that he's actually playing far above his his ranking. He's playing to me like a, you know, a top five player. And I think, you know, that match, particularly against Medvedev in the Australian Open, I think it just gave him so much confidence and belief in terms of, you know, what he can do on a tennis court. And it's really great, I think, to see him carry that on. It wasn't just a, you know, a flash in the pan moment. I think actually we're going to be looking back on that match with Medvedev as a, a turning point in his career. And following on from that, another kind of big moment will be the fact that he can look back on winning his first ever ATP title. And to do it so emphatically, is just incredible given, you know, given, I guess, how much mental baggage he would have had going into that final. You know, he was, what, 0-8, uh, you know, in previous ATP Tour level finals. So to go out and do it so emphatically, it just was, yeah, very, very impressive. Yeah, and you think um, after having been in so many finals, always being the bridesmaid, never the bride. And <laughs> also, you know, having had that match point against Medvedev at the AO and still losing, you know, he must have been thinking, when will it ever be my time, you know? But actually he's obviously channeled that in in a positive way thinking well I was playing you know slam winning tennis technically at the AO if he Mm. you know almost beat Medvedev Medvedev almost beat Rafa you know he could very well have you know um 
gone and won it himself. And who's to say he won't now actually go on and, and win a slam, perhaps before, you know, Sitsipas does or Zverev or someone who maybe has been tipped to win a slam, you know, before. Um, it was a very convincing performance today. Um, I, I'm so pleased he actually turned up because in finals, you know, previously we've seen him just be very withdrawn almost and not able to play the tennis that, you know, he knows he can play and we know that he can play as well. So it's nice. He's kind of finally living up to all the, all the hype and, you know, he's still so young and yes, it took him however many finals to finally crack it, you know, his ninth, ninth time lucky. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, his first final was three years ago, and he even acknowledged himself um, in the trophy ceremony. He said it wasn't the smoothest road, which is completely understandable. But, you know, now he's here, it's, yeah, it's it's really, really exciting, I think. And I think we know, or we're seeing anyway, this is going to be his breakout season on the tour, you know, given the, the quality that he is bringing to the tennis court. And yeah, I've got to agree with you. I just think that, you know, the the level that he is playing at, and what he showed at Grand Slams, it does give me this sort of sense that he is, you know, uh, you know, not just alongside, I think, Zverev and Sissipas in terms of being Grand Slam contenders for the future. I think, I think the way his game is at the moment and, you know, he's addressed these kind of mental barriers, these mental blockages, I think, that, uh, you know, have stopped him in the past. Who's to say? I think, I think he is in a better position to, to go and win and, and break a, a Grand Slam duck more so at the moment than, than a, you know, a Zverev or a, a Sissipas or, you know, even like an Andrei Rublev, who is the, you know, was like what, the undisputed king of, I feel, ATP 500 events uh, for, you know, for last season, season before. But even he, you know, lost to FAA in the, the semifinals. So, you know, for him to, for him to, you know, to do that. And, and again, just on that Rublev match, he was a set down. So again, another example, I think of that confidence and that belief that he's, he's now playing with, I think, you know, a few seasons ago, maybe he would have dropped that first set and maybe he would have just kind of lost in, you know, lost in straights to, to Rublev. But now I think, cause he's playing with so much confidence, um, we're seeing it. And I think in full force, in full flowing force, um, on the tennis court and, there are, you know, at the, when he's playing his best, there are not many players, I don't think, that are going to be able to, that are going to be able to topple him. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, he, I mean, he serves fantastically well when it's on and his ground strokes, you know, just kind of relentless at times. And I mean, Cam Norrie fell by the wayside to Felix as well. Two, two tight sets. So I think Cam had a great week getting to the quarters, getting two good wins and then, you know, having a, that sort of tight, uh, tight straight sets to feet to, to Felix. But, um, yeah, I'm just very, very pleased that he's finally got the title duck off his back and he's not gone the way of a Julian Beneteau, um, <laughs> <laughs> who sadly, you know, ended his whole career without a singles title. Um, maybe the ATP Cup as well at the start of the year, winning it for Canada, part of the team, you know, that, that kind of success has also played a part. Um, and his just whole approach to it, I guess, um, just has all led up to this point. And I think he said afterwards, you know, that it's really nice that, He's actually won his first title here because this was the tournament, Rotterdam, that he played his first ever ATP main draw match in a couple of years ago as well. So he thinks that, you know, it's it's almost right that it happened here. So mm. uh, maybe that's what he was it waiting was meant to for. Be. It was meant to be. Yeah, he was just waiting three years just for the, the right moment. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to choose it in, in Rotterdam. Um, yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, it was a good overall tournament for him. And it was, I think, a bit annoying as a, you know, a British fan. He defeated Cam Norrie. He also defeated Andy Murray as well uh, in the second round. Andy Murray had a very good win against Alexander Bublik, who um, you know won the tournament the, the previous week in uh, in France, I think. Um, so yeah, I think for Andy Murray fans, again, it was a classic: put in a good performance and then meet a seed in the next round, and then you know again put another decent performance in, but ultimately end up losing. And I, I feel like we're just getting into the cycle with Murray of. One win, one loss, next wild card. And um, yeah, he's playing in, in Doha next week. So we'll see how he does. In theory, the quality of the draw, it's a 250 there. So maybe he could go a bit further. But, you know, when you're coming up against, you know, someone like a Felix Ogier Aliasim in the second round, very, very tough to, um, yeah, very, very tough to, you know, to overcome that. Even, you know, if you're the, you know, the caliber of someone like an Andy Murray. 
Yeah, I mean, we also had a, a nice story coming out of Rotterdam as well with um, an unknown 20-year-old Czech qualifier, Yuri Lehechka, um, making it all the way through to the semi-finals. Um, you know, he he beat Lorenzo Massetti. That was the kind of big breakthrough win in, in the quarters. Shapovalov as well in the, in the very first round. Um also home home favourite Van der Zanschorp as well. So had some, you know, battling wins to get through. Um only kind of just lost out really to Sitzbass three sets in that semi final. Uh, I mean I've never heard of Yuri Lehechka before. Um he's hundred and thirty seven in the world uh, and is the lowest ranked semi-finalist in Rotterdam since 1995. Um, so perhaps we'll see a bit more of him. He's obviously had the best week of his career on the, on the ATP tour. And it's, yeah, it's nice when you obviously have a nice story like this, bit of a fairy tale run. Um, and it's a shame he couldn't maybe go further, but I'm sure semi-finals are pretty good going. So, <laughs> I mean, I think that was, I mean, particularly that match against Shapovalov in the first round, I think that was his first ATP tour, uh, tour main draw win. Shapovalov was, again, just displaying all those traits I think we know as fans exist already. I think he was blaming the court. He felt like every bounce was different. Um, but I think ultimately Lehechka was just playing better tennis and perhaps he was a little bit surprised by it because you know he when I was kind of watching it he yeah he he wasn't playing like he was ranked you know outside the you know the top 100 but um it was a very very impressive victory I was very I was really liking and digging his his forehand which was very consistent but I think just very very awkward to deal with for Shapovalov and he just did not know what to do with it and it felt at times Shapovalov was was clutching at straws in terms of you know what what was his strategy and it was maybe a little bit do i it was like a hit or miss strategy and it just was not working whereas i think for lehechka he was certainly on his game so yeah very nice story there from a, a czech qualifier getting through to the semi-finals we'll see how he gets on but yeah very very talented player and perhaps yeah another another player to watch um to watch in the future I mean, he's going to like perhaps have the mantle of the new Aslan Karatsev, but I feel like any, <laughs> any qualifier that goes on a particular run is just kind of called Aslan Karatsev Mark II now, uh, which is perhaps a bit unfair. But <laughs> I mean, let, let's move on then from Rotterdam over to the, let's go to the Golden Swing in Argentina, Buenos Aires. We had uh, all the kind of emotion at the beginning of the week with Juan Martín del Potro um, playing what is more than likely his last ever match on tour. Um, it kind of went a predictable way. He was up against Federico Del Bonis, who's you know, a very seasoned Argentinian uh, performer, player. And you know, he won in straight sets 6-1, 6-3. Um, but there were a lot of tears. Uh, Del Potro leaving the headband in the net. I mean, it was just... Um, a very, you know, sad kind of situation to find himself in. It's it's a shame he obviously couldn't get, you know, a win. Um, Del Bonis obviously very understanding, consoling him at the end. Um, and yeah, we he said, uh, you know, Del Potro said possibly we may not meet again uh, to the crowd. So we we don't know. He doesn't really know. It's it's looking unlikely. It feels it though. I mean, he was meant to play. He was meant to play the Rio Open uh, this coming week. Uh, he had a wild card offered to him didn't take it um so it does it does genuinely feel like this was sadly his his last match um on the tour and i think he sort of knew it as well um you know in that final service game where the emotion just just overcame him um it was it was t- there were tears as probably there were tears from him there were tears from you know fans in the crowd um it was very very emotional understandably emotional and to hear, I think all the the chants of the the crowd, which was a you know a packed house, um, yeah, it just would have been just you know just so I think frustrating. And for me, kind of watching those pictures on TV, it just shows I think how cruel you know sport and how cruel tennis can be. You know, someone who's as talented as a you know one Martin Del Potro, but you know, unfortunately, his body's just not been able to kind of keep up with his his talent and um i think that is the kind of the big the biggest frustration i think it's nice you know he was able to actually just kind of get back out on court regardless you know obviously it would have been nice to get the win but like just getting back out on the court and doing it on your own terms is you know a gift you know a gift in itself um you know i think we've 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 heard you know i think from roger federer in terms of if he gets back onto atb tour 
you're going to have to treat every match as a, as a gift. And I think, you know, for someone like Del Potro, where he hadn't been on the tour for for so you know for so long, he's going through you know what felt like just an endless cycle of of rehabilitation just to get back out on the court. I think was I think the biggest gift potentially he could have given to fans particularly in his his home tournament so um yeah very 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 emotional i will say kim del bonice uh, there was a lot of, there was a lot of chat on this on, on social media he was I, I i don't think he showed any particular mercy because he was he was employing a lot of drop shots in that match um getting uh, del potro to you know to move around the court um you know understandably given his you know issue with his knees and you know his his movement what what do you make of that are you kind of are you kind of like yeah that's that's all fair game because you know this is the atp tour you know i'm I'm fighting for my paycheck uh and and ranking points so i'm going to do everything in my arsenal to win the match or are you kind of a bit like show some show some compassion for your fellow argentinian I see both sides and I don't want to sit on the fence, but I guess he could have won that match without doing that. I think, you know, it was a convincing victory. He had a great week, actually, Dubon. He's got all the way to the semi-finals, lost to Casper Rude in straight sets. But, you know, I, th- I think he's, he's, he's good enough. He's convincing enough. He probably didn't need to do that. But I guess maybe he thought, oh, I don't want to be that guy that, is the one that <laughs> loses to Del Potro on his, you know, last hurrah. So mm. he was like, I'm going to nail him and nip it in the bud. <laughs> and maybe, maybe there is some love lost there between, between them. I, d- I don't know. They might know each other fairly well. I imagine obviously both being Argentinian, but I mean, yeah. Uh, We'll, we'll see. I mean, let, let's think about the rest of the tournament as well, because we've got a final between the top two seeds, Casper Rude and Diego Schwartzman. Uh, it's actually a set all as we're recording this. So Schwartzman won the first set 7-5. Casper Rude's just, um, I want to say equalised. That's a, the wrong sporting terminology, but he's on just levelled the match. On That's level. It. That's what I was <laughs> looking for. 6-2 in the second. So... Oh, it's it's hard to predict. I think they're both sort of on an even par, really, when it comes to, I don't know, form uh, and and previous results on these on these surfaces. So I wouldn't like to tell you where this is going to go. <laughs> no, it's been it's been very impressive. I think from from both of them to get to the final. You know, Casper Ruud. I think both of them have had kind of real rocky starts i think to the season not necessarily by their, their own doing you know casper Ruud, um you know his australian open he had to withdraw um because of injury so i think that was obviously a bit of a bit frustrating and i think both players were kind of going into the golden swing to just kind of start their season proper and you know we all know i think casper Ruud and how much he loves to play <laughs> 250 level clay court events uh, based on you know what he did last season with that uh that, that hat trick whilst everyone was playing in the uh the olympics um so yeah great to see him back uh you know i think in familiar you know familiar surroundings you know i think he love you know he obviously loves playing on on the clay i think he moves very very well on it and it's been quite it's been quite comfortable you know in terms of his route to kind of get to the final um i think been, what's been actually a little bit more impressive is from diego schwartzman who again has had you know has had a pretty you know average season to kind of start with and again was coming into the golden swing being like okay how can i how can i you know start kind of how can i get back on the on the front foot for the the season so it's nice to see him i think show all his sort of battling qualities to get to a point where yeah he's getting to the you know, he's getting to the final so we'll see how it goes he has had a lot of mileage already i don't know if that might count against him in that third set you know his last couple of matches um against sonigo and then surandolo both three setters in another three setter with rude perhaps that might favor casper rude in that final set will We'll see. But um, yeah, nice to see them both get to the final. Yeah, Rude's had a smoother, quicker pathway through. Mm. Um, I wonder what, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, last year when Rude was, was playing all those 250s and I remember Nick Kyrgios's comments about that and uh, what he <laughs> he was thinking about the value of, of all of those. Mm. So uh, I wonder what I mean, he thinks Kim, about this. Kim, I know you're, you're also very excited because we also saw... 87-year-old Fernando Vadasco <laughs> reached the quarterfinals 
uh, unseeded, took out Hugo Delian in the uh, in the first round, and then Montero from Brazil in the second round. Uh, lost to Sonigo in the quarters, but very decent from Vadasco. Still plugging away. Still, um, you know, still getting into these kind of main draws of, of 250. So always great to see a, an old school player, a player I grew up with, a player we both grew up with, um, still show that you can, uh, he can still fight on the, the ATP tour. I mean, Sonigo's like 50 years younger than him. So I think that was a very respectable <laughs> performance mm. in the quarterfinal from Vadesco. Yeah. I mean, that's the real story of the week. For now, <laughs> well, exactly. Move over, move over Del Potro. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Vadesco <laughs> reached the quarters. <laughs> yeah. um, gosh, when Vadesco finally retires, that'll be a sight for sore eyes, won't it? Um, I just envisage he's just going to be playing challenges until he's genuinely until he's like 50 years old on clay. I, I can genuinely see that happening. The Rafa Nadal challenger. That's always <laughs> going to be there for him. Uh, right, let's move on to the Dallas Open now, because again, we've got a final going on as we speak there as well. Uh, between, well, surprise, surprise, two Americans. I mean, I think this draw was absolutely littered with Americans. Um, and we've got, oh, actually, we've got a result, Joel. Riley Apelka has just literally won uh, about a second ago. 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. Now, that is a very unpredictable scoreline <laughs> against Jensen Brooksby in the final of the Dallas Open, isn't it? Um, how many tie breaks have we seen this week between American players? <laughs> Since the semi-finals, we've had a, a lot of a lot of tie breaks. A lot of tie breaks involving big servers, big forehand four-handed Americans, John Isner, Riley Apelka um, in the bottom half. Uh, yeah, not not that surprising. Um, I, you know, it, it's a very Marmite topic, isn't it? Kind of, you know, people particularly talking about that semi-final, John Isner, Riley Apelka as the serve bot showdown. <laughs> um, and it didn't, it, it didn't fail to disappoint, did it, Kim? Uh, no. 46, 46 point tie break in that second set. 24-22 in the end to Riley Apelka, who clinched it. Um, yeah, it was the longest tie break um, that's been seen in ATP Tour history. So, you know, when John Isner does, uh, you know, when when all is said and done, uh, when all is said and done, and John Isner does retire from from tennis, he can well, at the moment cl- have the claim that you know, he's been in the longest tennis match uh, in history. Uh, you know, with his match against Nicholas Mahu at Wimbledon in, in 2010, but now he's also can claim that he's got the longest tie break uh, in his in his locker as well. I mean, they might as well just flip a coin and then just do a tie break. They should just get to the tie break. Just, if I'm in the crowd, I'd just be like, get to the tie break. Just wake me up when you get to six <laughs> games all. It's just, um, yeah, it's it's not the most, it, I mean, the tie break's exciting because you think, well, when's it going to end? And it gets to that ridiculous kind of pointage and you think, oh, you know, it's, it's getting edgy now. But yeah, I mean, obviously up to that point, it's it's not particularly the most interesting tennis match they're not facing a single break point basically and it's just you might as well yeah literally play like a mega tie break and, and that be done with it that that's the match um but fair play to Apelka you know he came through that epic tie break he's done uh the same again in, in today in terms of winning his tie breaks he's won his last four tie breaks he also won two tie breaks in his uh second round match so uh, he's unbeaten on tie breaks this week. So, uh, what more could you ask no, for? I, really? yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I mean, all these, but you know, I think particularly with these big serving players, I do think there is a specific challenge for them in terms of, you know, yes, they can rely more or less on their serve and to get to a tie break. But what is it, you know, what is it that they're going to do in order to? you know, clinch, clinch the tie break. Um, and for Riley Opelka, yeah, it's worked, you know, wonders this week in terms of, you know, winning all of the ones he's played in. Um, yeah, it's, I don't, you know, I mean, I'm still a bit kind of like, as a fan, is is that the, is that the tennis you want to see as a spectator? I mean, like, listeners, let us know. Are you happy watching serve bot showdowns or absolutely not at all? Because in, you know, a tie break in itself is, is thrilling and entertaining because, there is going to be a definite conclusion, and you know, in, in the in the case of Isner and Pelkey, you actually got a chance to watch watch some history. Um, but at the same time, there will be obviously people out there who say, "Well, you know, there's no point construction. The rallies are very short, and you just don't get the drama 
well well arguably do you not get the drama that say you know the rallies of you know daniel medvedev versus a, a rafa nadal um you know would produce it's a, it's a different sort of drama i feel like it could it, it spurns up i certainly wouldn't want a five set match with just mm. tiebreak just that type of tennis and i mean obviously isna who <laughs> we had what well, ultimately was probably about 15 sets of tennis uh, isn't Anderson as well semi-final yeah yeah, I mean, Isner's obviously just going for records. That That's his <laughs> new goal in life. <laughs> I mean, actually, talking about Isner, Anderson, you know, that Wimbledon semi, they actually played this week. Uh, Isner beat Anderson in order to get into the quarterfinals. Um, and that was, unsurprisingly, three tie breaks. So, obviously, reliving their Wimbledon 2018 uh, sort of drama as well there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we'll, I mean, and uh, maybe enough said about Dallas the better. Um Liam Brody qualified and got a win, which is, mm. you know, big shout out to nice Liam to Brody. Yeah. I think yeah, he went decent. he went a set up as well against uh Marcos Giron of the United States who who went on and took out um Taylor Fritz. So yeah, Liam Brody's played very, very well, I think, to to get into the, the main draw and then yeah, get a, a main draw victory. I feel like he's having a pretty good season. I feel like he had a he really enjoyed, I think, being in the team, uh, you know, at the ATP Cup um, with, you know, with all the boys. And I think he's just, just enjoy. I think he's just enjoying his tennis at the moment, and he's producing some really, really good results. So, yeah, great to see him, uh, you know, reach the the ATP level main draw. I'd l- I'd like to see him reach some more main draws this season. I feel like he's he's doing, he's got the tennis in his locker to do so. Um, so yeah, ho- hopefully he can kind of continue. I've no doubt he'll probably play a few more challenges as well. But um, yeah, he's certainly playing some good tennis at the moment. Absolutely. And on to the ladies event this week, we had the WTA event in St. Petersburg, which um, was a 500 event. And as it's indoors, Joel, uh, we should really have guessed who was going to win this match uh, on this title, <laughs> I should say, because she has won the last three indoor uh, hardcore tournaments she's played. And that is Annette Contivate. Uh She's now won 20 straight matches on indoor uh, hard courts. Um, she beat Maria Sakkari in three sets today. Very tight battling mm. match, though. She was 5-2 down in the final set, came back to win it 7-5. So um, she wasn't going to let that indoor hardcourt record uh, go. She wanted to make sure she made it four indoor titles on the trot. Um, it was a great match, great final. Um, have to feel a bit for Sakkari, you know, being up that score in the final set, she must have thought, yes, you know, I've got this, just one more game to go. And you know, kind of a bit of a, we've seen this before from her, a bit, bit of a collapse, mental collapse. She's a bit too fragile in those situations, isn't she? Yeah, she's, I think it's it's clear to see, I think, what she needs to, to work on. I mean, I think what didn't help her as well is is that Contefit is such a, a fighter and is a complete complete opposite I think to to Zachary in terms of she's got this belief she knows what she wants to do and regardless of what situation she finds herself in she you know has this she has this capability just be just be like show just great kind of fighting spirit and bring you know bring it back to her opponent and you know there were multiple times in that that final against Zachary where again it looked like she was you know she was down and out that's you know that second set tie break was incredibly close um you know there were more than one occasion where you just felt that Kontovic was probably going to get defeated and you know she just came back so strongly and it was very very impressive and as you said she is the without a doubt the the best player on a best WTA player anyway at the moment on a indoor hardcore I think she has now joined a list of I think she's only become like the sixth person I think to win 20 straight indoor matches um on the WTA tour so uh, yeah very very impressive and yeah for Zachary she's gonna need to I think she's playing she's playing great tennis she played great tennis throughout the week um was particularly impressed with her victory against um Elise Mertens in the in the quarters but she just needs to be a bit stronger I think in those in you know at the business end of sets and you know I was watching it on TV and I think there were a few too many times where she just kind of looks nervous and she's looking at her box and whenever she looks at a box I just feel like she doesn't know she doesn't know what to do or what to think and she's looking she's looking at her box for answers and I think I think maybe perhaps that she needs to f- be able to figure out how am I going to do this 
you know, by myself, you know, I'm the, I'm the person on the tennis court here. What can I do um, to, you know, to win this match? And I think that's something that, that Kontovic does have, but at the moment it feels like Zachary lacks it. And, you know, it, what surprised me came, Zachary has only got one WTA tour title. Um, and that was back in, I think, 2019. And I feel like she should have at least a handful of, of titles. And I don't, you know, I think if she's going to, if she's going to want to achieve that, yeah, she's going to have to get mentally tougher, I think. Um, and at the moment, I think, yeah, she's not, it's just not, it's just not clicking in those big moments, like in the, in the final. Yeah, is she kind of the Felix, um, you know, the female Felix in the sense that like it's going to, mm. up until now, obviously, Felix is, you know, no longer kind of a title. And I know Zachary's won one title, but it does almost feel like she's almost kind of quite there, but never, mm. never quite manages to do it. And um, definitely, obviously, things to work on. Um, she was in a winning position, which, you know, you have to kind of focus on that. It's not like she got annihilated nice. and blasted off the court. So you, you kind of... If she can, yeah, she's very close. Done. Very, she's very, very close. close. It's, but it's that, <laughs> it's that, you know, it's that extra one percent or two percent. You know, tennis is uh, classic cliche is a game of fine margins, and when that is the case, it just feels like Zachary is always sort of maybe even losing by those those tiny margins. So she's going to want to obviously look to turn that in her favor, but you know, at the same time, Kontovic was just playing some really aggressive great tennis uh i know they're great friends um off the court and i think their rivalry going into the final was 6-6 in terms of their head-to-head so they do you know i'd like to see them play some more tennis uh you know uh, i would like to see some more matchups between them going on in the season because yeah they put on an excellent spectacle for all the fans um in attendance and uh, yeah this final was 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 the same however kim we will have to talk about the outfit the Adidas outfit that Zachary wears, I we've we have split opinion over this because I think it's I think it's a shocker. Well, is this the one that like Rybakina is also wearing? Yeah. yeah. So with the sort of geometric, colourful shapes, it looks I, like I a patchwork. Like it. it looks like a patchwork, and it's but just colourful, and it, it it went quite well. I thought with you know some of the advertising there, and it was just nice and bright and and vibrant. I mean, would you rather just? have them play in like black yes like, i think like, honestly clothing. i think i would it's it for me just just yeah a fashion a fashion faux pas for me but you know i'm happy to agree to disagree i mean you've put like a photo on our sort of notes that we refer to of some shorts with mm. a sort of brown stain on them. yeah I, i'm trying to work out what the the make is i can't make out what it is um is this i mean are these the shorts you're using to play tennis at the moment no these are these are shorts (laughs) that are being worn by uh players on the atp side which again is causing a lot of anger amongst fans who are just like and i think they're adidas (laughs) i think they're adidas branded shorts i could be wrong but again it just does not look good i think when it is when it comes across on tv it just looks like like someone's burn marks or someone's had an accident yeah a big accident yeah, yeah. And several accidents actually. yeah looking, at all, like, oh, looking yeah. at all the colors of the shorts yeah all sorts of accidents could be going on there yeah uh, i great. think that's definitely one to avoid i mean just a note on Rybakina. she had a really good uh first round win against kracheva but then pulled out i think with with illness actually so um uh you know because obviously she pulled out of the uh, but well, she was injured at the Australian Open as well, wasn't she? She's had the injury woes of late, so hopefully she can get back to full health and fitness soon. Uh, whether that's wearing uh, her colourful outfit or not. <laughs> um, but we will have a quick ad break now. So uh, do join us in the second half. We'll be having a look at all of the latest news, including Wimbledon finals, ticket prices, and looking ahead to all of the draws for the upcoming week, including the Dubai Open. So do not go anywhere. Welcome back to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to the little quiz segment of the show, Joel. I think it's uh, your turn for me to have a mysterious player to guess. Uh, You've got one up your sleeve for me, which I'm very much looking forward to. 
Yes, I have a mysterious player for you and our listeners this week. Um, are you ready? I, I'm happy to give you clue one. Are you ready? Is it Fernando Vidasco? Oh, yes. Oh. Right, game over. <laughs> Let's move on to Melbourne. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> All right, no, yeah, seriously, I am ready. I'm ready. Okay, right. So if clue one, I was born on July 5th, 1979. Oh, okay. So they are... I mean, that does make them sound Ooh. like it could be Fernando Really Vidasco. old. Yeah, literally. <laughs> or a contemporary of Fernando Vidasco. Feliciano Lopez. Uh, no. Uh, okay, so they're like 40... Well, they're going to be 43 this year. Okay. Uh, Venus Williams? <laughs> Incorrect. It's not Venus Williams. But that is a good... That's a good starter. That's a good starting answer. But yeah, not, not, not quite correct. Um... Next clue, I was inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame in 2015. Oh, okay. So that was like seven years ago when they were about 36, 35. Uh, I want to say possibly someone who's now like a media, you know, pundit, commentator. Elise Lim. She's not that old. <laughs> I totally had to. I don't, did anyone else have to Google who who she was in the Eurosport Cube, though? I was like, who is this person? And then I was like, oh, yeah, of course, Elise Lim. Um, Lindsay Davenport? <laughs> Incorrect. But that is a very good guess, though. Okay, next clue. I retired as a player in 2009, and my final ranking... My final WTA ranking was 21. Okay, so it's a woman and their final ranking was 21. I feel like they probably were higher ranked than that before. Retired in 2009. Okay, I'm going to say Justine Ennan. <laughs> Incorrect. It's oh. not Justine Ennan. <laughs> um, okay, next clue. I won a silver medal. At the Olympics in 2004. Oh, 2004, Athens. Now, who won the gold? Was that Serena? I think that was probably Serena, wasn't it? So who came second? Who's 43? Oh, it's not. No, I don't think this. Is it Patty Schneider? Did she get a silver medal? Was she on a podium? incorrect it's oh, not no. <laughs> it's not patty Sh- i love i love you brought patty schneider into our podcast but uh it's not patty schneider um okay right next clue i reached the 2004 wimbledon doubles final with my partner svetlana kuznetsova but lost to cara black and liesel huber but this person also won the olympics didn't they like in 2000 and eight is it it's not dementieva because she she won the didn't she win the olympic gold or <laughs> incorrect it's not no, okay. dementieva it's not <laughs> oh, going dementieva. Mad. oh okay right i've won two grand slam singles titles wimbledon and the australian open which i achieved in the same year 2006 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't far off, really, was I, when I said, like, Enan? <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> yeah. Um, Amelie Moresmo. Correct, yes. Yes. It's I didn't Amelie know she Moresmo. played doubles mm. with Kuznetsova. Yeah, I know. I was I was surprised by that as well. Um, also, your, your funny thing to note is uh, she won a silver medal at the Olympics in 2004, lost to Justine Enan in the final. Um, oh, so it wasn't Serena. No, so um, yes, but yeah, Amelie Moresmo. My other clues were going to be, I currently coach Lucas Puy and mm. I've coached Andy Murray. So, Andy Murray, um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just was, yeah, wanted a bit of a throwback and I thought Moresmo has quite, quite an interesting career. You know, she's now uh, a coach on the males, you know, in, in the male tour, um, which you don't, don't see a lot of. I'd actually like to see a little bit more of it. Um, but um uh yeah Emily Moresmo yeah no fantastic I found that one quite difficult actually I mean I was sort of there or thereabouts but um 
I wonder, I'm sure many of the listeners probably got it before I did. Um, <laughs> but let's move on to our mailbag for the week. Uh, we had uh, Nick who got in touch with us via email with a very uh, appropriate question, given what day it is tomorrow. Uh, he said, hi, Joel and Kim, with Valentine's Day coming up. If you were to go on a tennis-themed date, what would that look like for you? <laughs> oh, what a question. <laughs> um, I don't know about you, Joel, but I'm instantly Paul Bettany in the Wimbledon film as well to mind. Watching the rom-com Wimbledon on Valentine's Day. Well, maybe sort of going to like a derelict tennis court and... Oh. Yes, having on... a romantic sort of moment. I don't know. <laughs> I Do you just... know? I, I I would love. I don't. It's probably not even possible. I would want like a three really nice like three course meal in the middle of centre court. I don't. I don't even know if there's probably no grass on centre court at the moment. But I don't care. I just want like a three course meal. Have my own kind of waiter kind of service some strawberries and cream obviously for dessert there'll be a jug of pims as well on the table um yeah i'd if i don't it's not possible but that's that's what i would love to have can you imagine just like strolling up to wimbledon walking through center court getting out into the middle um yeah move over move over roger federer yeah i want my i want a center court i want a center court date for valentine's day when you said that, I pictured you sitting there and then Federer dressed up as a waiter, like serving you. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> oh, why. that would just, be great. Or like in a chef's hat or something. Like Roger, I thought you were going to say, of... I thought you were going to say you could envisage me just like phoning up uh, or sorry, or ordering like McDonald's on Deliveroo or something. <laughs> that would be more your vibe. Though, yeah, so I think. It, it, yeah, or probably fried chicken. Too, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Now you're Ooh, talking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're going locations for tennis, I would just. I would maybe do the same, but on the, I don't know, main court at Monte Carlo for the, you know, Masters. Okay. That is a beautiful, yeah. Yeah. a beautiful, the country club is, is beautiful. You have to see in the mountains and, you know, or, uh, yeah, I don't know. Or maybe um, some, just a nice Spanish meal, give some Rafa vibes going, some tapas. Uh, or I'd just go off to Mallorca for a nice romantic <laughs> weekend. I don't know. The list is endless. Definitely something Spanish vibes. I'm sure the Rafa fans listening kind of get me on that one. Um, but I have to say Wimbledon, the film, you know, if, you, if you're looking for a cheesy rom-com, and even if you don't like tennis, I'd say go for it. Oh, def- definitely, definitely. <laughs> and and when you have watched it, make sure to listen to our episode that we did about the film Wimbledon um, from our, our movie club a while back. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's great, great film. They need to do a sequel. I want a sequel. They could do the, the, their child uh, trying to come up <laughs> yeah. through the ranks and Paul Bettany's like the coach <laughs> or something. Um, but who knows? They could do Flushing Meadows like as a... Roland Garros, you know, they could do all four slams. They could have a love affair at each. Um, but talking of Wimbledon, actually, we do have some news that's come out from Wimbledon. Uh, they are finally uh, making the ticket prices for the two different Wimbledon final days, men's and women's final Saturday and Sunday. They're finally making them the same price for the first time this year in 2022. Previously, there's been a you know discrepancy. I think the, the women's final day has always been cheaper. In the men's finals day uh but this is the first year where they're going to both be the same um i was hoping that they would make the men's final you know the same price as the ladies but actually obviously they've just increased the cost of the ladies finals so they're both now a bit more <laughs> expensive um but at least you know this is obviously an important step for putting equality you know on on the map on sw19 or you know on center court um it's it's ridiculous that they would have different costs it's you know what what is that implying for example so uh an important step forward it was funny to read i think when this got announced because i think yeah some were talking about this you know that equality and prices are now equal but then there were, i think i saw a few other headlines which were actually like the ladies the ladies final prices have been upped uh you know by 40 you know by 40 pounds is sort of the lead message but um yeah i think it's a natural next step isn't it you know we've spoken about equal prize money i think for for yonks and you know that was introduced for the first time at wimbledon back in in 2007 so you know it just feels like this you know this does make sense yes there are going to be people out there who will say 
you know, well, the ladies play best of three and naturally that that match time will be less than, you know, what the men spend on court because they play they play best of five. But I certainly think, yeah, that it, it, it makes sense and it will be interesting to see how the other, whether the other Grand Slams kind of react um, and if they employ something similar or, you know, they still kind of look at the, you know the men's final is that the marquee the marquee event and as a result is the you know is the most um you know is the most expensive but you know i think certainly for wimbledon it makes sense it was interesting to hear that, that decision was influenced by the emergence of, of emma Raducanu. it wasn't just about um you know obviously the perception although obviously really important the perception that kind of the women's event is as important as the men's event but yeah interesting to hear also you know, with Raducanu kind of coming up, they're, it looks like they're looking to, you know, make cash in and make some make even more money with the, you know, the potential of uh, another home British Grand Slam champion following on from, you know, someone like Andy Murray. I think also people forget, but you, you get doubles finals as well on those days. So the, the ladies finals day in the singles, you get the men's and the women's doubles finals on that same day you're getting three finals which you know the doubles finals are often incredible matches um and recent years they've gone on you know really late in the day mm-hmm. um yeah. and then obviously on the on the men's final day you get the mixed final but like people so you know some people probably go home after the the singles but for me it's the doubles you know often more enjoyable so um you know it's annoying that people kind of forget that and and overlook that as well um but let's have a look now at what we've got coming up this week uh let's have a look at some of the draw previews we've got the Qatar event Doha going on for the men 250 event um top seed here is Denis Shapovalov uh, second seed RBA. Uh, so yeah, as we were saying, Dandy Murray's got got a wild card into this one as well. Funnily enough, Joel, um, he's got Taro Daniel uh, in the first round, who obviously beat him uh, at the Australian Open. So obviously, Andy will be looking for for revenge. Do you think that he he will get that revenge? You know, I think he should. I think he'll come through it. He's playing playing some really really good, you know, really really good tennis. That win against public um yeah was very very impressive um so i'd like to think murray will be able to kind of get revenge but you know that that i think defeat will be still quite fresh in his mind because i think it, it, you know in the context of his season will feel quite a painful one but i think the you know the way that the setup here you know the the lead into it is a bit different where you know i think you know with the australian open him playing that immediate warm-up event I do think perhaps and and getting to the final perhaps um you know that that did have a little bit of an impact given also he played a what five set match in the first round so I think he should be comparatively fresher so I'm I'm hoping that would give him you know much more of an advantage also Kim I mean I don't actually think that is the biggest wildcard news um in Doha because perennial favorite of the passing shot my personal favorite Malik Yaziri is in on a wild card as well and has got Davidovich Fakina in the first round which is certainly I think winnable um so yeah I'm looking forward to that winner could potentially also face Dan Evans who has Grasimov um in the first round he's the fifth seed I mean Chilich is also in there in as a fourth seed I think you know I probably have my eye on Bublik as well um at the top I think I think a public Shapovalov match would be quite entertaining if that happened uh, in in the quarterfinals. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly I think looking maybe someone yeah like a, a Bublik um, or a Chilich perhaps um, yeah to to raise the title at the end of the week maybe. Maybe Malik Jaziri can do a bit of a Yuri Lehechka <laughs> go all the way <laughs> to the semi-finals. Um, I feel like Basilashvili might have a good week as well. He often does tend to uh we've also got the atp 250 in marseille sits pass is the top seed felix oj alizim is there as well and actually they could both meet in the semi-finals so um that could be a repeat of today's final uh rublev and karatsev the top two seeds in the bottom half of the draw um so kind of the same crew really that we saw um this week in rotterdam um i mean interestingly Actually, Sitspass has added, uh, I think, Thomas Engfist to his his 
his coaching team, which actually we were saying, you know, it's time to bring someone else on board um, and maybe take the a slight step away from his father. The, yeah, it's been interesting. There's been, you know, he's, I think, come out and said, you know, this is not Thomas Enkvist replacing my dad no, on the team. No. Um, but certainly I think it would add a different dynamic and perhaps it's the, the dynamic that Sissipas needs to to go to the next level because, yeah, you know, that match against Ojea Aliasim um, in Rotterdam showed, I think, that he, has, you know, still has things that he can work on. Um, so, yeah, we will see. Uh, you know, we've also got Kim Songa versus Gilles Seabon in the first round. Uh, oh, sorry, throwback, what year is it? <laughs> throwback to, what, 2010? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, Rublev Karatsev, the, the top seeds in the bottom half. I mean, it looked just on, on the draw alone, it looks like that bottom half is a touch a touch lighter than the, the top half. So I'm, I feel like the winner might come from that top half, given the, the form that I feel like Sissipas Ojia Aliasim are in at the moment. Do you think Felix can make it two titles Ooh, on the draw? I think that w- I mean, perfectly could capable. be a London buses situation, couldn't it? <laughs> I'm looking at his draw. I think it's only really Sitspass in the semi, maybe Rublev in the final, and he's beaten both of them this week. So why not? Let's do it. Uh, we've got another Golden Swing event in Rio this time. Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, uh, 500 event. Berrettini is the top seed. Casper Ruud is the second seed. Schwarzman is the third seed. And PCB is the fourth seed. And this one's obviously full of the usual South Americans and Spanish players. Carlos Alcaraz, Velasco, Jaume Munar. Uh, it's a whole feast of them. It's lovely. Um, and, uh, oh, wild card here. Jun Sheng Shang. Chinese guy, not heard of him. Um, so I think Casper Ruud, actually, as we are recording, he's four one up in the final set in Argentina. So looking like he's going to get the title. Um, he'll be hoping to do the same in Brazil next week. Um, I mean, this is sort of just classic golden swing, and obviously, notably, no Del Potro, despite being offered a wild card. The the Chinese player who got the wild card was at um, I think it was like a late. Um, replacement for yeah exactly but i think most interestingly from that draw you know we could have berrettini alcaraz uh in the quarterfinals Mm, repeat of the ao yes i mean they had a fantastic match didn't they at the the australian open i feel like their rivalry could really blossom this season um and uh yeah be exciting to see if they do lock horns on a clay court um and yeah I mean, Schwartzman and Rude could meet again in the semi-finals. So, um, yeah, it's all to play for. I mean, it's a 500 event. Um, yeah, it's quite even across the board. Uh, yeah, I mean, Berrettini's not. I think this is his first event after reaching the semis in, uh, you know, in Melbourne. So again, it'll be fascinating to see how he kind of comes back. Um, you know, interestingly, chosen to go to clay um, from the hard. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. But yeah, good. All- draw i think yeah quite a strong lineup i think for kind of some of the golden swing events that you know some i mean this one's a 500 isn't it not a 250 mm. but um seems a bit bit stronger than some um obviously vadasco lajovic is top of the list for that one um <laughs> delray beach we've we're back in delray beach as well 250 out in the hard courts cam norrie is the top seed hurrah um i think he's got a good good chance his, his draw's mm. decent although he may face Sebastian Calder in the second round and obviously Calder kind of demolished him at that AO unfortunately he will want to banish that those memories but that is you know that is not a, a foregone conclusion because Calder you know probably the pick of the round one matches in Delray is Calder versus Kokinakis who you know both players had at times, I think in in Australia, um, you know, some very very good performances. Nice to see Kokonakis, you know, again back on the tour. Um, I think I think Nick Kyrgios was meant to play this event, but but pulled out of it. But it's nice to see his mate Kokonakis there. Um, I think that is quite an interesting yeah matchup. We've got Riley Opelka as the second seed. No, no John Isner, but we do have Jensen Brooksby, who's you know obviously done very well this week um in dallas um are we just gonna kim are we just gonna end up with more americans getting to get into the final maybe or do you do you see it do you see other other players potentially coming through well hopefully cam Norrie can put a stop to that but i'm just wondering how many tie breaks riley apelko is gonna play <laughs> and win this week mm. uh i'm gonna guess 
four, but I may be wrong. Okay, um, I'll say six. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it next week, but yeah, I'll say okay. six. Um, and we've got a WTA 500 event out in Dubai. Uh, it's obviously one of their, their bigger tournaments. Uh, loaded field. Eight of the top 10 players are here. Um, no Ash Barty, but we do have Arena Sabalenka as the top seed and Barbora Krachikova as the second seed. Um, loads of, like, obviously really good first round matchups. I mean, there isn't really a bad first round matchup, to be quite honest no. with you. All of these matches would be worthy of Grand Slam. Yeah, fourth round. Yeah. Or fourth, you know, it's ridiculous. Um, I don't know where to, to start, really. <laughs> Kim, I'm not going to lie. The only imposter in this draw is Caroline Garcia on a wild card. Uh, well, in the first, no. she has was... not had a good start to no. the season. Caroline Garcia of like four years ago, this would be <laughs> a great first round. But I do think she's going to lose very easily to Krishikova, unfortunately. I mean, Muguruza Collins is fascinating for me. You know, Collins coming yeah. off of, you know, ladies final A-O's at the Australian final. Open. Yeah. yeah. Coco Goff, Jessica, Jessica Pegula, Jessica Pegula. I know she loves a hardcore and I think she did quite well in Dubai last year. So she could be quite interesting. Anjabot also back. Uh, you know, she had a few injury troubles in Australia. So she will want to be, you know, making the most of um you know what she will probably see as a fresh start has Vera's Vonareva, another throwback name um in the first round uh and Contevet is also there um she is the seventh seed can she translate her indoor prowess um onto the uh onto the outdoor hard courts in Dubai um yeah I mean again I would not be surprised given the form Contevet is is in um whether she you know goes on a little bit of a run herself I I've got my eye on Bedosa actually. Um although she could play Halep in the second round. Simona Halep is unseeded. Yeah, uh, that just shows you doesn't it how 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 far she's fallen. Um you know, how far well she's got issues, you know, injury. Well, I don't think <laughs> like, she's fallen. It, I think what's so crazy is I don't think she's fallen that far, but as as you said the draw is just so it's just I mean, so Svitolina, snapped. Svitolina also isn't seeded and you know, yeah. she hasn't had a great recent time of it and like there you go you, you've got to be on it haven't you to, to be out there Kvitova's not seeded Kenin's not seeded Kasatkina's not seeded so um really difficult to predict but I'm gonna go with Bedosa for this tournament um are we gonna predict how many double faults Sabalenka's gonna serve um in the tournament <laughs> um no on a serious note I am curious to see how, what you know what serve does turn up for her because she's yeah. had now a bit of time you know between to work on it yeah mm-hmm. exactly so yeah, but I, I hope, yeah, I hope double faults don't kind of rid her of her game. I mean, she's got a nice qualifier in, in round one to potentially ease her in. But, um, yeah. Well, lots, lots to predict then for this, this week <laughs> upcoming. How many tie breaks Riley Pelka's going to play? How many double faults Avalenka's going to serve? Um, and yeah, I think for me, I'm really intrigued to see how Felix does, uh, in this, this week, see if he can make it two on the trot. I think that would be, a lovely uh you know fortnight for him if so but we'll be back next week to to round everything up won't we joel as as usual yes listeners i hope you've enjoyed listening to this latest episode of the passing shot remember to subscribe to us on whatever device you listen to us on to stay up to date on all the action on the atp and wta tours we're on apple Podcasts, spotify and all good podcasting platforms out there you can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app and if you like what you're hearing then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on apple podcasts or spotify and you can follow us on social media we're on facebook instagram and twitter at passing shot pod so do give us a like and a follow if you don't already uh, you can also get in contact with us via email if you prefer uh, passing shot pod at gmail.com and don't forget to check out our website as well www.thepassingshot.co.uk and we will be back next week at Passing Shot HQ to discuss the next round of tournaments on the ATP and WTA tours. Will Felix Ogier Aliassi win his second title? How will Arena Sabalenka get on? Will those double fault demons still plague her in Dubai? We will soon find out, but I hope you can join us next time for our next catch up. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We will see you again soon.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.